everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? You know what? I'm, I'm more surprised than thankful. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised I see how this goes. I'm I know where this is going. That you're here. Yes. I, I you're not thankful, but you're surprised. I'm surprised. Yeah. Surprised. It's kind of sad. <laughs> I, like, was, oh, I was like, I was looking forward to having Sharissa as co-host, and now it's Lyle. Why can you just take the day off? Man, I'm really pushing. No, <laughs> 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 we're so glad to have you here, Lyles. So yes, glad. I can see. It's so, just the, the thankfulness is so just grateful. oozing from you. I'm just 100%. feeling the love. Yeah. Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I here? Mm. Um, well, I'm here because my gearbox blew up. Oh, a classic blunder, yeah. Which means I didn't make it to my destination. Is where I was supposed to go to yesterday, so I figured, hey, I, I was able to limp home, but mm-hmm. which was good, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm thankful for. I yeah, got that's home, awesome. which is always a positive outcome, mm-hmm. which means that I don't have to pay for a tow truck. Yeah, that's good. Which is excellent. Yeah. And I'm not sort of stuck in the middle of nowhere, but yeah, it does mean that I've got a little bit of work ahead of me, and... Nissan Patrol gearboxes are just a pain to get out. Yeah, so and I don't, I don't imagine, uh, you know, it's just a cheap fix. No, <laughs> no, it's going to cost. This one's, this one is going to cost mm-hmm. me dollars. Ooh, that's tough. Well, yes. I'll tell you what, I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for saving people dollars. Yesterday, our uni, we ran a food drive for all the studying students, and uh, yeah, basically all the students are in exams at the moment, and so we just delivered them free food. Fantastic, and they loved it. So Always. good stuff. Always good to be a blessing to other people round about us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Fantastic stuff. So I see what happens when I go away. You change everything around. And so now it's call or text on the one number. Yeah. Simple as that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Call or text. Uh-huh. 0491064669. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. And 1-800-NUMBER has become the general station number. Yeah, yeah. That's and you, still can, you can call on that as well, but... But we would like you to get, because that's the number for our show yeah, specifically. Zero four nine one zero six four six six. That's the breakfast show number. Yeah. So get in, guys, if you know the answer. All right. Let's have a look at some news. Okay. Right. Let's talk about it. Lyle, I, I, I know. I know now. I understand. I understand why I come into radio and I'm just so happy and joyful. Why I'm such a delight. Yeah, because because you were walking up the path and you saw Lyle sitting there and you thought this is just going to be an amazing day. Yeah, well, <laughs> and <laughs> there's an and. Okay, so does there really need to be an and to that? Why would there be an and? No, you know what, Lyle? Okay, from now on, you are solely responsible for providing me happiness when I there you come go. to work. Your problems are solved. You'll be happy for the rest of your life. I'll, we'll verify that with Shell. Uh, Anyways, let's talk about this study that's been done. We've known for a long time uh, that sleep definitely has an effect on mental health, but um, scientists at MIT and Harvard have studied 840,000 people and have done probably the most conclusive um, and specific study on sleep's effect on on mental health, not only are they kind of trying to study like how much it helps or who it helps, um, but also they're trying to find like a quantifiable number of 
not how much sleep you need because we already kind of have the idea of eight hours, but but where exactly your sleep schedule should be and how much you can move it to have dramatic effect on your mental health. And so what they've ultimately found is that if you move your health, uh, sorry, if you move your sleep, your sleep schedule, like earlier one hour at night and wake up earlier one hour in the morning, then that contributes to at least... 23% uh, like reduces a person's risk of major depression by 23%. That is spectacular. Yeah. That is seriously spectacular. And, and so why, what I was referencing before is why do I always come in here and I'm so happy? Well, I have to wake up so early to come on radio. <laughs> it makes my sleep schedule move back. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So, so if I move my, my bedtime mm-hmm. from 9 o'clock to 8 o'clock, mm-hmm. I'm going to have 20% less. 23%. 23% less. Risk of depression. Risk of depression. What about, and, and what about not, if I do that again? Uh, well, well, I think it's, you know. If you do it too many times, you're going to sort of well, end then up. Then you're just sleeping during the day yeah, and, and you're just awake work. at night and that's not good. I think the point that they're really. But early to bed, early to rise. Exactly. Makes yeah. one healthy, wealthy and wise. Mm, that's I, what my mum used to drum into me when I was a kid. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's something that we've always observed. You know, many depression recovery programs and psychologists and people that help um, people going through. That's a spectacular finding. Yeah. But the the good thing is now that they've, like, they've quantified it. They've given a number. They're like, okay, this is, you know, like like we had five fruit and veg, like we had all these things. They're like, okay, an hour, that's the number. Okay, so I just want to congratulate all of our Breakfast Show listeners this morning because mm-hmm. you are up and at them, and that means that you were most likely got to bed at a reasonable hour last night. So mm-hmm. well done. The Breakfast Show is the radio to listen to because – that's where the that's where you will get the best protection from depression. The, the other amazing early to bed, early to rise. Yeah, hundred percent. The other amazing thing about this study is that they're now using it to influence things like schedules for nurses, like because this, Ooh, this is yeah. like a, shift workers. Yeah, hundred percent. They're trying to well, when we look at like government kind of standardized industries, like you know nursing and hospitals and all that stuff. They're trying to use this research to implement. Um, essentially, yeah, implement new schedules that will make the workers as productive and as healthy as possible. And so one industry where they've been trialing it is in nursing with 32,000 nurses. And just amongst the nurses, they've literally, what they found in the research itself, they're seeing before their eyes that, like, there's been a 23% drop in the amount of people who are, amount of nurses who are struggling, like, heavily with depression and whatnot because they've given them adequate sleep schedules. You know, even if they have to work night shift or whatever, they've kind of factored in, okay, what do these people need? How can we give them time to recover? And they've ultimately come up with solutions that help people. It's fantastic. Like, this is really, really good research. And I feel like it's really amazing research because it's something that we can just implement today. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can just say, you know, what is your current bedtime? Uh, obviously, yeah, you don't need to go crazy with it if you're, like, going to bed at 8 o'clock right now and waking up at, like, 5 a.m. in the morning. And you're just like, I don't think going to bed at 7 and waking up at 4 is at four is your solution. One of the biggest contributors to good mental health is establishing a good circadian rhythm. Yes. Um, and 8 till 5 is a pretty, pretty good effort. Like, that's 8 till 5 is you're in the right place. But, um, yeah, yeah. You can just use this to your benefit. It's amazing how similar it is to the way the sun works, you know. It's not mm. – it's sort of vaguely going down with the sun, getting up with the sun, you know. You're going mm. down a bit after the sun goes down, but – and you're pretty much getting up with the sun. Mm. 
Yeah, dude. It's a good awesome. house. It's kind of the way we were created to be, I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just quickly have to talk about, in the last two minutes here, dude, okay, so so we've been going on about, uh, you know, with our with our Bible study and whatnot, as, particularly when we started our Bible study on the covenant, like this idea that God has created us, he's given us this world to live in, um, he's blessed us, like, to have rulership and dominion over this world. And then, unfortunately, like, we messed everything up because we're silly and we decided to sin. And that's brought um, great pain to our race, to our world, all these different things. Um, but, yeah, one of the things that we were instructed to do as God's children was to tend the world, to have dominion over it to look after it. And we've talked many times on radio about the different ways that that's achieved, whether it be, you know, through, um, you know, good farming practices or killing cats or whatever it may be. (laughs) (laughs) But dude, check this out. I was reading this morning that, okay, we're going to talk about bees because bees are amazing. And we love talking about bees, but bumblebees scientists have, have, have observed that bumblebees prune plants to make them flower earlier. Oh, you're kidding. No, they're, actually, they're actually farmers. They're actually farmers. That's so, amazing. So they were observing these bumblebees. They had them in, you know, in like a very massive enclosure where they've got different trees and everything. And they made tomato plants flower a month earlier by going up and they just nibbled the plant a little bit. Just uh-huh, like taking uh-huh. a bit out of the plant. And yeah. they didn't. And this is the thing is that they didn't understand because they didn't ingest the, the yeah, plant why, matter. Why the, why, what are they doing to the plant? What are they actually accomplishing? Exactly. They didn't eat any of it. They didn't take it back to the hive. You know, they didn't do anything. They literally just ate some and dropped it on the floor and left. And they were like, wait, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, all these they're placing, plants. They're placing the plant under stress so the plant decides to reproduce uh-huh. earlier so uh-huh. they get their honey sooner. Uh-huh. That's amazing. How did they ever figure that out? I. This is how would a bee know? Like... How would a bee know that, Lyle? Yes. In in my opinion, as just I read this, staggering. I am like, this is God working. This is powerful Bumblebees are stuff. amazing. They just mm. like got the tiniest wings and the biggest bodies. Yeah. And, it's just incredible. You know, according to all known laws of aviation, they can't fly. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, what's happening in serious news? Okay, so police have dropped a case against a homeless support volunteer. Mm -hmm. This particular person was fined during the COVID lockdown in the UK uh, for working with homeless people, which is pretty bizarre when you think about it. And basically the story goes like this. Uh, During the lockdown, of course, essential services and particularly volunteer-based charities that were providing for, you know, really vulnerable people were allowed to continue. Mm -hmm. And this particular person... Um, I, yeah, last name's hard to pronounce. Jan Naida Haldo, mm-hmm. uh, that's a guy. Uh, he was actually found not sharing just food, but also sharing the Bible with somebody. Mm. He was found by a community support officer. Now, I'm not sure exactly what a community support officer is, but the community support officer... Uh, maybe like the, the the local dob artist, I don't know how exactly what that is. We don't have that in Australia, but they called the police and accused this person of violating COVID laws because they were outside of their home without a valid reason, and they were fined. Okay, charged with being outside without a, without a valid reason. Uh, now, this was despite the fact that charities were exempt from the lockdown. And that homeless people are like the most vulnerable people in our community. And this person was taking care of homeless people. 
working for a charity called The Lord's Kitchen. Well, the Crown Prosecution has dropped the case, thankfully, stating that it is not in the public interest and also pointed out that the homeless were largely forgotten during the lockdown and uh, that the attitude of the uh, community support person was extremely hostile and this has set an important precedent for charitable operations to continue and church-based operations to continue. And it seems uh, basically what happened was that the community support officer took offence to the fact that the Bible was being shared. Mm. Now, this to me is truly bizarre. We know that depression and anxiety went through the roof Mm. during Mm -hmm. COVID, and we know that uh, church and, uh, you know, Studying the Bible is one of the most valuable things that people can do for their mental health. Mm. And so why would you want to take food and emotional care away from our most vulnerable people Mm -hmm. by fining those who are going around taking care of those kinds of issues? Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty bizarre stuff. Oh, I can just imagine. Stop. You're violating the law. You're supporting homeless people. Like, yeah, I know. What's like, wrong with you? Like, come on. What planet are you on? Mm. Like, come on. What planet are you on? Mm. But it does. It is a little bit of a commentary on society today, which is it becoming super hostile towards religion in general mm. in secular countries, uh, Christianity specifically, and the Bible probably more than just about anything else. And so, yeah, yeah. What, what found we, somebody sharing the Bible used an excuse to persecute them. We, uh, dude, we actually had a similar story yesterday coming from uh, Pakistan, where people were falsely accusing other people of sending blasphemous text messages, like Christians, of sending blasphemous text messages, and then they were receiving like death, like death row because yes. of it. Um, but the point is, is that like you know they were like literally like illiterate people, and that's how they got acquitted in the end because. They, they, they couldn't even read, read or write, you know. Yeah, wow. But I mean, it's just, you, you start to see, yeah, I don't think we're seeing this necessarily, and in the UK especially, we're not necessarily seeing this, like, thing happen on at a systematic level, but it's individuals themselves. Yes. But there is very much, you know, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing things change. We are. Okay, so changing subjects real quick, whereabouts do you reckon the majority of the world's wealthiest preachers live? Oh, well, I know the answer to this, and but it's... Like, so surprising. Yes. It is probably, like, it is the most surprising thing ever. So what continent would you guess, listeners, if you're going to guess, what continent do the majority of the world's wealthiest preachers live on? Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you going to go with that one? Lawson? Well, okay. Because be- you know the answer. Be- before I knew the answer, I would have said, oh, the United States. Yeah, you would yeah, think so. Yeah, like 100%. No, but it no, turns out. No, 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 no. Not North America. It's like the top five wealthiest preachers in the world all come from Africa. Nigeria. Nigeria specifically. Yes. We're going to have an, uh, an African from uh, Uganda is going to join us here in just a moment. I can see her walking into the studio as we speak. So that's going to be amazing for our uh, interview time. Do stay tuned for that. Uh, so the uh, five of the world's wealthiest top ten preachers uh, live in Nigeria, four in the United States and one in Singapore. One of the well, the wealthiest preacher in the world, uh, David Oya. E Depot mm-hmm. uh, is worth about 150 million. The world's, the, the, the America's wealthiest preacher, Benny Hinn, is only worth 42 million in comparison. Mm-hmm. 
So these are these are heavy hitters. Um, uh, one of the top ten actually just passed away. TB Joshua died at the age of fifty-seven. He was preaching, felt a little bit off, went home, and passed away. We don't know exactly from what yet, but uh, he was the founder of a mega church in Nigeria, and was known as the prophet. He founded the Synagogue Church of All Nations. Mm. So it's interesting because you know you look at some of these preachers and it's like wow, you know does th- does this person if these people really walking in the footsteps of Jesus, mm. you know it's it's one mm. of those questions I really just sort of have to ask myself is you know how much was Jesus worth when he died, mm. and I'm not sure that sh- I'm not saying that we should all go and take a vow of poverty, but at the same time. It's pretty confronting. This uh, David guy who is the world's wealthiest actually owns his own city. Oh, like like an entire city? He, he built an entire city. Oh. It's got 15,000 homes in it. That's And he owns them all. He owns two universities. His private city has its own airport, and he built his own privately owned stadium. So he was just like, all right, people. I just want to make the Vatican, but in Africa. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> but a lot bigger than the Vatican. Yeah. There's not 15,000 homes in the Vatican, I can tell you that. Yeah. I've been there. It's only, what, 180 acres or something or other? Yeah. No, no, this guy actually owns and built his own city. Mm-hmm. Um, TB Joshua, on the other hand, so uh, he wants – he's called the prophet by his followers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, forgive me for being sceptical. But it bothers me when we're talking about a nation where like 40% of their GDP is made up of international scams Mm. and they also have five of the ten wealthiest preachers in the world living there Mm. and you've got, you know, preachers that are in their own cities and, and, you know, T.B. Joshua, of course, he was was called the prophet by all of his followers and was, you know, reputed to have been a prophet. But uh, during the Ebola outbreak in Sierra Leone in Liberia, he sent... Uh, 50,000 bottles of water. Uh-huh. Yes. Chartered a private jet. Uh-huh. Cost him 50 grand to, to, to charter this jet and send these bottles of water because this was water that was uh, his own special uh, brand of anointing water that if you anointed yourself with it, you'd get healed, but only if you had enough faith. Oh, yeah. This is classic. So it's not gonna, it's not 100% cure. Yeah. Only if you've got enough faith. Oh, everything. You, you can give the, all the, the church, like in terms of prosperity gospel, you can give the church literally all of your money. But if you don't, you could then just not have enough faith and nothing will happen. And it's your fault. Like, yeah, wow. yeah, this is, you know, we look at these guys, oh, there's so much that could be said. There's great documentaries that have been made about this, but it's just. It is. Yikes. We need to have some spiritual discernment, friends, and we need mm-hmm. to be realizing that the prosperity gospel is the same gospel that the Pharisees were preaching in the time of Jesus. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so Maureen's in the studio. We did promise that we were going to have an African to speak to us this morning. And Maureen, whereabouts are you from? Uganda. Uganda. Whereabouts in Uganda? Um, Masaka. I have no idea where that is. <laughs> my, Uganda, my Ugandan geography is very, very poor, unfortunately. Um, it's south of Kampala. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's like the, the classic thing when people are like, oh, yeah, I'm from... I'm from uh, Tanambit. It's like, oh, where's that new? Oh, uh, Maitland. They're from like, you know, 
the United States. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. We don't know. Like, we don't know where that is, <laughs> but we know where you are now, and we are super glad that you are here in Australia. Maureen, what brings you to Australia? How did you end up in Australia? Um, I came to study. Yes. At the University of Newcastle. And what are you studying? Nursing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you obviously came before COVID. Yes, um, that was three years ago, 2018, uh-huh. February. Yeah. So what happens? What happens when you finish your studies and COVID's still going? What? What? What then? Um, God willing, get a job here. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> probably won't be able to go back to Uganda, right? Are you? Are you? Are you, you wouldn't be able to. Are you able to travel back to Uganda? Right probably now? not. Yeah, I can't go. And uh, yeah, I actually can't leave. But if yeah. I leave, I can't come back. Yes. So, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Yeah. So just stay. Yeah, just stay. Easy fix, easy fix. Problem solved. All right, uh, Maureen, we want to get like a picture of your journey of faith. Of course, I know you. We're friends. And yes, I should. I should say this. What Lawson and and uh, Maureen, you guys go to the same church. Yeah, we go to the the Newcastle Uni Church Plant. We're part of the ASOC Club, the Adventist Students on Campus Club. Uh, Maureen, you're the vice president of the club. So yeah, she's absolute gun. Just. (laughs) Helping run the ministry there, wow, um, but impressive. we want to look take a, a look at your journey of faith. So mm-hmm. I guess we could just start from the beginning, from from Africa and what life was like there, and how you knew God there. Mm. Um, I was raised in a family of six. I'm the youngest, and um, I grew up Catholic. So my whole family is like staunch Catholic. Um, what's the What's the biggest religion in Uganda? Catholic, yeah. Catholic Roman Catholic. Ro- yeah. Uh-huh. Is so. Islam big there as well? It is, but like Christianity is like, I don't know the statistics well, but let's say around 80 to 20 or 80 to 10. And then Mm -hmm. other, the 10 is like other. Mm -hmm. Sure. Epic. And then, yeah, from there in Uganda, growing up. So your whole family is Roman Catholic when you're growing up? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And then um, until I come here and um, I was still Catholic for the first half of February, like 2018, February to maybe June. And um, those few months, I really felt like um, I wasn't getting God from the Catholic Church. It felt different. I felt like, no, this is not all that is there about God. Is is the, is the Catholic is worshiping in a Catholic church in Australia very different from worshiping in one in Uganda? Kind of. Um, the church I went to, the one people didn't really come. There were just a few um, older people, and then it was just me and another girl that were um, youth. So it was. Um, very few people, and um, yeah, mm. quite different. Not so different, but mm. yeah. Mm. Mm. But then, I guess from there, you know, you're worshiping in the Catholic Church, and you're starting to ask God, like, you know, where are you in all of this? What mm. starts to change? Um, I think I feel like God was like seeking. God was looking for me, mm. and um, I w- I used to call my mom, would pray more and more each time, but then. Um, I I started watching videos about people that claim to have died and come back, and it just never really made sense. They never connected. The stories were never similar. So I got deep into that, and then I said people were commenting on those videos like, "Oh, the Catholic Church is wrong," and da da da. da. And um, I started asking God to show me, like, if it's if the Catholic Church is wrong. I was one of the people that um, were, you know, those people that read online comments and like, yeah, you don't know anything about the Catholic yeah, Church, yeah. like defending. <laughs> um, I was one of those people, <laughs> and um, yeah, I started asking God if if actually it is wrong, the Catholic Church is wrong, or the doctrines are actually um, not quite correct. Show me, like, lead me to a church that's going to teach me what's actually correct. 
Mm. Um, yeah. And then um, went to Sydney for a couple of weeks. And then that's like all that happened while I was in Sydney. And then I came back from Sydney one morning. And in the afternoon, um, a Bible worker knocked on my door. Oh, okay. This, okay. All this right. Is, this all is right, the big right. turn right here. Yes. Okay. Yeah. A Bible, so so uh, a Bible worker from the that Newcastle time, Uni Church? Yeah. By yeah. then it was my mini, my house. Yeah. yeah, my house ministries, which was a church in Newcastle. It's been yes. kind of had a few shifts. There was my house and then Newcastle, and then they moved to Warners Bay, and now they have a uni church, but uh, which we're a part of now. But mm. that was uh, Mikey, yeah? Yeah. So Mikey knocks on your door. Yeah. And what's that experience like? It was really... Um, so he knocks on my door. I, I come out, and he's le- by the time I come out, he's left because I thought someone else was ans- answering the door. But then um, he knocks another time, and then I come out to to get the door, but he's left. So he sees me open the door, and he comes back. And um, he's like, hey, I'm from the Adventist church. And I'm like, nah, cult. <laughs> 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 in my head, I was thinking, no, no way. Um, so is the Adventist church big in Uganda? Yeah, I had like a couple of Adventist friends. Uh-huh. Not too big, but yep. yeah, I definitely uh-huh. knew about it. Sure. I knew they went to church on Saturday and um, I was like, okay, God, I really see you knocking, like bringing yourself to me, but you're not coming through Adventist. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I thought he was going to like, when I asked that in prayer, I thought he was going to lead me to like a Pentecostal church that um, that was maybe going to church on Sunday. And that's the danger in wanting to stay with what we know because we Mm. don't, then we don't let God work. Mm. Mm. Epic stuff. So he knocks on your door. What's the, what's the, so he tells you he's Adventist. Mm. Where does the conversation go to from there? I'm like, oh, like, I didn't want to up, like disappoint him. I didn't want to say no. So I told him, I'll take your number and I'll ring you. But like, I knew I was not going to ring him at okay, all. Okay, so I've done a lot of Bible work. I've done yeah. a lot of door knocking. And mm. when somebody says, I'll take your number and I'll, I'll call you, it's like, you're never getting a phone call. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then I took his number. And continued to pray. I had subscribed to, um, and I had joined the email list of someone that was giving Bible studies mm. via emails. And I started getting emails that have like um, subjects like when are you answering God's call. And I thought that was really creepy. So um, <laughs> after some time, I decided to call Mikey. So I called him back, and uh, I'm like, okay, I will do Bible studies with you, but not one on one. I talked to my mom, and my mom is like, you don't really want to do Bible studies one on one with a boy, say like group. Yeah, so I told him choice, I'll do. Choice. Um, in a group so I went to care group for the first time mm-hmm. and um, I think I never turned back from then mm. Mm. I went to care group okay so when you went to care group that's mm. like a uh, small group bible study mm. um, a social evening as well that mm. kind of thing mm. uh, was this something that you were familiar with within no. Christianity Mm-mm. right so you, this was not something that you do back in Uganda you know as part of the catholic church that kind of thing no I'd never gone to a bible study before okay oh wow, in oh, my wow. Life. Mm. It was more like I did like all the sacrament things that um, they do in the Catholic Church. I went to, I had one year of like studying the catechism and all that. Mm-hmm. But like I'd never done small Bible study group. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And so you start doing Bible studies. And I guess, you know, for everyone, they have that story or that journey of when they, you know, uh, give their heart to Jesus. But then it's further, like they make that decision to, to join the church and get baptized and all those kinds of things. What was that period like for you? And actually the next question I want to ask is like, how long was that? Really quick, actually. I didn't see myself turning that quick. I was the one that was thinking Adventists were cults. But um, when I went to care group, the first time they invited me to church and I said no, because I thought it was really quick. Like I, 
I don't even know these people. Why are they inviting me to church on a Saturday? Mm. Um, and then the next, I told them I'd go the next week. So the next week I went to care group and I was hoping they'd forgotten, but they didn't. So they asked me <laughs> again <laughs> and I said, I would go. So I went and Axel, Axel was preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, he was preaching about um, the tire or he was preaching about the weeds and the tires and he preached about um, the, I think he was doing the kingdom as well. The kingdom mm-hmm. of heaven is like mm-hmm. um, the treasure and all that. And I thought, wow, I'd never heard um, the word being preached like that. Because in the Catholic church, you have a whole set like gospels mm-hmm. and like they give you what to read in a little book. But he was encouraging us to read for ourselves in the Bible. And I thought this is actually really different. This is, um, it's mm-hmm. not a cult, like the reading from the Bible and they're not feeding us. They're letting us feed from the word of God while they feed as well. Mm-hmm. And the next time I went, Tom Kent was preaching. Mm-hmm. That was my second Sabbath. So he's just a young guy. Yeah. Yep. Similar age to you. Yeah, I think no, so. Sort of same similar mm-hmm. age bracket. Yep. Yeah. He was preaching about um, I want to know you, and he preached, and then he said, "Oh, if you want to give your life to Christ," I'm like, "Oh no, here comes the bad bit. I hate being put on the spot." He said, "Oh, if you want to give your life to Christ," I'm like, "No." Not happening, not happening. And he went again. He's like, I know someone is here. I'm like, okay, I've given up God. And yeah, that, that's when I made my my decision to like get baptized. And yeah, I wow. had to do Bible studies from then. So you been to care group twice, been to church twice, and God spoke to your heart and you responded. Yep. Yeah, praise God. Amen. That is absolutely fantastic. And so what's the journey from there? Like I, I can imagine for these Bible workers, they see you stand up to a baptismal appeal. They're just, you know, Maureen that they've invited to care group for the first time. They're probably like hyped. They're mm. like, oh, let's go. And so you start doing Bible studies with them from there. How, how like long was that process? Um, it was a few months because I got baptized in September 28th. Mm-hmm. I started, I made that decision on the July, on July 27th, 28th. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, so you just do Bible studies over the month? I, I was racing through them? Twice a week, twice wow. a week sometimes. <laughs> it was, go. yeah. And then you, you get baptized in September. Mm. How was, how was that experience actually? It was good. I remember walking to, I, I got baptized at a church camp and I remember walking to the, to the pool, to the pond to get baptized. Mm. And I was, it felt like a new life. I felt mm. like I was surrendering everything, all that I was before and starting afresh. And it felt really good. Mm. So how did your family respond? I, I hid that from them for a year. I, I was, I didn't know what to say. Um, then my sister found out because I got tagged into the ASOC um, post. <laughs> <laughs> she found out on Facebook. And when I went Social home, media, there's no place to hide anymore. That's true. That's true. Um, she found out. I went home and she's like, so you're, you're, you're Adventist. You got baptized. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to go wrong. Um, yeah, I told her. It turns out she was baptized when she was my age as an Adventist as well. But she hid it from everyone. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty wild. <laughs> I know. And she told me, I got baptized. I'm like, wait, what? So she hid it from everyone, came back from school, and didn't have community and church family. So she went back to the Catholic church. Uh-huh. And we're on that journey. I am I'm talking with her and trying to get her back. But, yeah. Mm. But I guess eventually then the, the rest of your family, you know, you eventually have that conversation with them. I Yeah. She told me, don't tell mommy. Uh, it's going to go really badly. Um, so I came back to Australia. I had gone home for a visit. I came back to Australia and I was still scared. And I really thank Boris because Boris, Pastor Boris, he encouraged me. He always checked on me like, how I, have you told your family yet? Um, and 
he was he was preaching about Babylon and all that, and mm. uh, and I, I felt like God was telling me I'm still having a hand in Babylon. Like even though I am Adventist, me not mm. telling my family, I'm still supporting that. Mm. So um, I prayed with Hannah, walked into my room, went on my knees and called my mom. I told her I'm Adventist. She's like. Maureen, that has broken my heart. That is really hard. Da, 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 da. But then she asked me, why have you decided to do what you've done? And she understood. So mm, Praise yes. the Lord. And I guess, where does, that, where does that leave you now? Has the last couple of be- years been since then? Since then, um, working for God, growing. Amen. I really am grateful what the Lord is um, teaching me. It's been a journey, ups and downs, but yeah, God is really truthfully working. So, Effort. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise God. That's fantastic. Maureen, thank you so much for coming in and joining us and sharing your journey of faith here on Faith FM Radio this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.